Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Home birth on a school bus? If you think that's the wildest part of this upcoming episode, buckle up, baby. Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 70 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and woo, this episode. My guest, Caroline Campbell, is a home birth mother of two, and both of her experiences were intense, to say the least. I always like to be upfront when episodes contain difficult topics, and this one contains quite an emergent situation during her first birth. So be prepared for that, but know that she and her midwife do an absolutely banging job of handling the situation. It is truly powerful. However, if you're close to giving birth and are concerned that hearing a story of an emergent situation might upset you, you might want to come back to this episode. Now, before we jump in, just giving another quick update on Happy Home Birth Academy. I am in the home stretch, and oh my gosh, I am so ready to be done. <laughs> for real. Just a bit more work to go and it'll be ready for all of you lovely women seeking home birth centered childbirth education. Secondly, I'm a few weeks behind on sending out stickers for reviewers of the week. So you'd think that being at home all of the time would give more opportunity to keep me on track, but I feel like it totally doesn't. So if you are waiting on a sticker, my bad, so sorry, I will get them in the mail. And to add to my list of mail, I would like to go ahead and thank this week's reviewer of the week, and that is Beladora Del Mundo. And she says, thank you. I am a soon-to-be mama, and my husband and I are planning to have a home birth. This podcast has been instrumental in giving us the knowledge and confidence to continue on this path. The interviews are down-to-earth, intelligent, and straight-up fun. We are so grateful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. If you will email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will send you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker, but no guarantees that it will be super fast because apparently I'm terrible with that. Okay, so if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and take a screenshot of you listening to this episode. Upload it to your Instagram stories and tag Happy Home Birth Podcast. And don't forget to use the hashtag Give Birth on Your Turf. Finally, if you aren't in the Happy Home Birth pop up group on Facebook, guys, you have got to get over there. So many stories, so much amazing, supportive home birth goodness. Okay, with all of that being said, let's jump into the episode. Now, please remember that the opinions of my guest might not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am so excited to hear about your stories. You've definitely got some interesting stuff to talk with us about today. So would you mind starting by just introducing yourself and your family to the listeners? Um, sure. So my name is Caroline. Um, my husband's name is Seamus. We've been married for four years. Um, I'm 25. We live in Ohio and we have a two and a half year old daughter and a four and a half month old son. And now you told me before we started the interview that you did have a home birth with your first daughter. So what inspired you to do that? Um, so my husband's family are big home birthers. He and his sister were both born at home. Um, they were actually free birthed, which is, oh, know, wow. Yeah. Kind of wild. But, um, my sister-in-law, three of her six children were born at home. So I was kind of familiar with it once I got married, but, um, when I was in high school, a friend of mine got pregnant and the father was not in the picture. And so I sort of, I stepped in and did a lot of the, you know, taking the classes at the hospital. And I was there for the birth in the hospital. Um, she was healthy and had a healthy baby girl, but just seeing sort of the way the hospital birth went, um, it made me a little bit nervous to be giving birth in a hospital myself later on. So I kind of just had that tucked in my mind, um, you know, to think about when I got pregnant. Right. And so when that happened, did you have any inkling that there was another way or was it just like, yeah, you, you get pregnant and you go have your baby at the hospital? 
I had no clue. I, right. I had, I had never heard the phrase home birth. Um, it just did not even cross my mind at all. Um, pretty much until I got married and talked more to my husband's family about their home birth experiences. Oh, that's really, that's a fascinating way to kind of go into it because you had already had this experience of someone close to you giving birth in the hospital and then to be able to hear like, oh yeah, there's actually another way. Like right. that's really cool. Way. Yeah. It was exciting. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, okay. So tell me about that first pregnancy. Um, it was good. So we had been married for almost a year. Um, we had gotten back from our, we took a long honeymoon trip. Um, we had gotten sort of back home and back settled in. We were living in Virginia, which is our home state at the time. Um, and we just decided to, you know, start trying for a baby. We got pregnant right away. Um, I was one of those like super annoying, like I just glowed, like nothing about the pregnancy bothered me. I had really no aches and pains, a little bit of nausea, but it was just like a perfect pregnancy. Um, really, really good. And I spent a lot of time reading about pregnancy and, you know, doing stuff like prenatal yoga, really focused on my diet. It was just a good, solid, healthy pregnancy. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. It definitely isn't everybody's experience, but when it can be like that, what a blessing. It was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So how did you find your midwives when you decided to have this home birth? So, um, we were, we were living in Virginia, but we knew we were going to move to Ohio, um, sometime within the year. My husband is a contractor and he was finishing up working on my parents' house. So it was kind of like, we didn't really have a firm deadline, um, in mind to when we were going to move, um, but I knew that I wanted to, to see the midwife during my pregnancy, and I asked my sister-in-law for a rec- recommendation. She had had her last baby at home in Ohio. And so she gave me the name of her midwife, who she highly recommended. Um, and I really clicked with my midwife. Her name is Amy. Um, and so when we were living in Virginia, we would drive up to Ohio. First, it was, you know, every month and then every two weeks as the pregnancy progressed um, to meet with her. And we would just do sort of the visits at her house. How long of a drive is that? Oh, like six and a half, seven hours. If we oh, were- man. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a thing. It was yes, a whole thing. It, it really was. It was a little intense, but, um, but it, we, we owned 10 acres of land in Ohio at that time. And we sort of thought that we'd be able to get some sort of structure up in time for us to have the baby. Um, and that turned out not to be the case. So it was, it, it was a little bit stressful towards the end of the pregnancy for sure. That definitely sounds like a stressor. So that being the case, what happened? How did that go? So my, my husband is a lot wilder than I am. He's like the fun one and I'm like the planner. Um, but he convinced me that we could buy a school bus, um, tear out all the seats, turn it into, and now I think it's a little bit more of a popular thing. This was several years ago and it wasn't as like, I don't know, talked about or whatever, but like now there are bus conversions everywhere. They call them schoolies or whatever, and people travel in them. But Um, he thought that we could make it into sort of like a mini house, essentially, um, put it on the land and have a home birth right there and then. And so that was kind of our only option. Um, at the time we actually drove the bus up when I was like, Oh, I think it was 32 weeks pregnant. Um, put it on the land and we ended up not fully moving from Virginia to Ohio until I was 38 weeks pregnant. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right in the nick of time. Yes, exactly. I was not and, a happy camper. I was pretty stressed. Yeah. <laughs> and you're getting like, you're going from, you know, probably were you living in a, a house in Virginia? Yes, I, I was living in my childhood home. So I was really like comfortable and, you know, um, very familiar. And so we, you know, we ended up just living in this school bus without, um, we didn't have running water. We had a spring on the property that was flowing. So that's mm-hmm. where we got our water. We had a water filtration system. Um, but it was definitely, yeah, it was a huge, huge step in a different direction. <laughs> I would say so. That's yeah. <laughs> fascinating. So those last two weeks kind of before you actually, or well, did you, when did you have your baby? How far, were you 40 weeks or were you? Fertile? I was six days past my due date. Um, okay. So you got so, an extra weekend. Yeah, I did. It was, it was really good. nice actually. Good. So those last few weeks, um, what was that like mentally? Like, were you nesting in your school bus or? I was, yeah. it, it was really nice. We, um, we moved up, we got chickens like almost right away and we would just spend 
like, oh, it's so picturesque when I think about it now, but we would just spend my husband and I all day together with our dog outside with the chickens. Um, this was in late April and I had my daughter in early May. So it was like just perfect weather outside, not too hot, but kind of cozy at night. And we would just, you know, hang out all day, work on the property, nest in the bus, watch the chickens. It was really nice. I was very Zen about the whole thing. I wasn't upset about going over my due date or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you've got something like that going on, it kind of ends up being a a comfort to have a little bit of extra time. So that's it was a blessing for sure. Right. Right. That's wonderful. And also I guess it's really helpful that your husband is a contractor to yes. be <laughs> renovating a school bus at that time. Yes. It was definitely a good fit um, later on, but yeah, it was good. Do you guys still have it? No. So we ended up selling it this year um, to my mother-in-law. She's an artist and she wanted like her sort of own artist studio. Um, And so she transformed it and she did a lot of the work that we had started, but not finished on it. Um, And so now it's on her land and she loves it. And it's kind of nice because now my daughter's two and a half. So she visits and like, she'll be like, I was born in this school bus. And she's just really excited to see it. So I'm glad that it's in the family still. That is super cool. Yeah, actually, little known fact about me. I, back this, this was in, let's see, 2015. I bought a school bus. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And it had already, somebody had already begun converting it. And I thought, I would be able to like get people together to finish converting it, which didn't happen. So I did, I did end up selling it, but my dream was, okay, well, I'm going to live in this school bus for a Mm -hmm. while and then I'm going to turn it into like a mobile midwifery clinic. I love that. Like Ina Mae Gaskin, she had a school bus, Yes, yes. you know, the OG kind of. Right. Like tied back to the midwifery roots, but Mm -hmm. so that hasn't happened yet, but Maybe in the future, once I finish all of the midwifery school training and everything, I will get myself a midwifery bus. I love that. Yeah. One day. Yeah. So awesome. Okay. Well, so you're six days past your due date. What was that last bit of time like? And what was it like leading into your uh, labor? And what was labor like? Um, so I had a, a weird labor. I had really, I had done so much work, um, emotionally, physically, and I was ready to like do this labor horror story. Like I had heard first time moms be like, I was in labor for 36 hours and like, it was awful. And I was so tired and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like mentally prepared to do that. Um, and that's not how it happened for me at all. I woke up, I think it was a Wednesday, woke up at like seven in the morning and I was immediately contracting five minutes apart. And so I must've been in early labor over the night and just not, realized. Um, so I got a really good night's rest, but I woke up, I was immediately in labor. Um, I really like was second guessing myself. I had these five minutes apart contractions for about half an hour. Um, and we had this, we didn't have cell service where the bus was parked. So I had to walk up this massive, massive hill to get cell service to call my midwife. So I walked up to send her a text, walked back down, like, you know, took a little bit of time, walked back up later to, you know, text her back and call her. And at like 745, I'd only been awake for like 45 minutes. And I was like, you know, like these contractions are really quick. Like they're here and they're consistent. Um, and she was like, well, I have a hair appointment and, um, you know, let me know when they like increase in intensity and I will drop what I'm doing and come get you. And I was like, you, you know, you'll totally make your hair appointment. Like this is, this can't be like happening this fast within right, like I'm a first time mom. <laughs> exactly. Like I was totally prepared to be like, Oh, this baby will be here in like two days or whatever. But, um, within like another hour, they were four minutes apart. And so I climbed back up the hill. Um, and I was like, you know, like, I think you need to get out here. Like, I don't really get it. And I don't really understand what's happening, but like, you know, get, just get here. So, mm-hmm. Um, she and the other midwife and my photographer and my sister-in-law were all the people that I wanted there. So they all started driving out to see me. Um, at this point, my husband was, I asked him to sort of clean up the bus, which was a pretty quick task. Um, but he was cooking me breakfast. I was bouncing on the ball. I was walking around in the woods a little bit. Um, I could breathe through everything. I felt good. I felt rested and prepared. Um, it was just kind of a nice time. So they ended up, everybody got there within about 90 minutes. Um, and at that point it was around, I think 11 AM, 1130. 
And um, my midwife wanted to check me to see how dilated I was. And like, I remember thinking like, if I'm less than four centimeters, like I I really don't want to be, I'm going to be disappointed. And like, this feels like it's progressing really fast and my contractions are stronger and quicker. Um, but I just like, there's no way it can be going that fast. So she checked me and she was like, you're eight centimeters. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is solid. Like, this is great. Um, I'm in labor. Exactly. Like the, Oh, this is really like happening. Um, it was really, I just felt really empowered the whole time. Um, I had learned about so many different ways to sort of provide comfort in labor. I had everybody's hands on me. It felt really nice, like the counter pressure and changing positions, walking around, um, eating and drinking. So I felt like just in control, empowered, good. Um, and so I progressed those last two centimeters and my midwife was like, okay, you know, you can start pushing. I never felt the urge to push, um, which was kind of a bummer because I think, I think a lot of women and like with my second birth, by the time you're that far dilated and you've been in labor, you kind of like feel ready to push and you're kind of like, let's get this over with. Let's move it forward. I never felt like that with my first birth. I was kind of like, I could do this all day. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just, I never really had that urge to push. So the pushing was really challenging for me. Um, and I didn't really understand it a hundred percent. I kind of feel like you have to, there's a slightly different way you have to push and you have to really like focus. Um, and so my midwife was, you know, showing me how to do it, showing me where to push. And I just, it wasn't really clicking. So I ended up pushing for like an hour and it felt like I was making no progress. It just, you know, was a little bit discouraging. I was still in a good mood. I was still laughing and joking, but it started to kind of feel like, you know, it just felt impossible. It was like, I know this baby's in me. I know that she's pretty big and, it just feels like it's not working. It feels like she's not going to come out. And I don't really, I just, you know, felt kind of frustrated. Um, my team was really good about reassuring me. My husband was right there next to me and helping me out and everything. Um, and I started to, um, to push like a little bit better, to be a little bit more mindful, pay more attention. And I could feel her kind of shifting down, my daughter shifting down. Mm-hmm. And where were you and like, what position were you in? So I actually pushed her out standing up and I was at the foot of my bed. Um, and so like, I think I had like two people on the bed, one person next to me and then two people in front of me. Um, so just kind of like this circle around me, but I didn't feel crowded. It felt very, um, nice and, and familiar, It kind of reminds me of the, um, I don't know if you've seen this or if any of the listeners have, but I've seen this um, like video of an elephant giving birth and how all of the female elephants like in the pack, I don't know what an elephant Mm -hmm. heard, heard. (laughs) they all all surround the mom while she's giving birth. That's, that's really interesting. It felt very natural like that Mm -hmm. and and protected and, and everybody there had given birth before. Um, everybody had given birth several times and naturally. And so it was just, it was empowering to, to like, I could see in their eyes, they were empathetic towards me and they knew what I was going through. Um, I don't know. It was just a really good, solid experience. And they, they kept telling me as I was pushing that, like, (laughs) they would be like, your baby has so much hair. Um, and she has so much hair when she came out, it was ridiculous, but that got me like really excited. And I was like, Oh, like this is a real person that I'm about Mm -hmm. to meet. And like, you know, she has these characteristics and it was just really exciting. So, um, worked really hard, kept pushing. I, you know, stood up and that was such a good position for me. I felt really grounded and powerful and I just kind of roared and pushed her out. Um, And immediately, I think the first thing I said was like, that was so easy. Like that wasn't (sighs) like I expected at all. It was really like, it it was easier than I expected. Um, It was just good. Amazing. Yeah, it was great. She was there and she was all slippery and wild. My husband caught her. He almost dropped her because he didn't realize how slippery (laughs) they were. Newborns are slippery. Yes, that's true. Episode in the office. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So it was good. So he caught her. Um, they had me lay down and, and start trying to nurse her. I was bleeding a lot. Um, and I'm like kind of a, just a person who bleeds a lot anyways, whenever I get cut or whatever. 
So I wasn't that surprised, but I started after about 20 minutes feeling kind of weak. Um, and my midwives were looking at each other and, and me being like, what do you think about this? Well, this is like more blood than I want to see. You know, we need to get this placenta out. Um, my daughter had a really bad tongue and lip tie, which we found out about later. And it was kind of a nightmare. But so the, mm -hmm. the nursing that we were supposed to do right after birth was not really connecting. Mm -hmm. um, and I stopped contracting like completely. So now we're like, you know, the baby's been out for about half an hour. My placenta is showing no signs of coming out. Um, I'm not contracting. I'm bleeding a lot. I'm feeling pretty weak. Um, and so we need to get the placenta out. So my midwife put a little bit of traction on the cord, which is, you know, it's standard what they do to try to get the placenta out. And uh, we heard it snap, the cord <gasps> snapped. Oh, which, no. And I had read, like I had really done my research, especially research about home birth and home birth emergencies. And so I knew like at that moment, like this is, this is kind of the worst situation we can we can be in the, the baby's healthy and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And she's out, but this is not, this is not good for me <laughs> Yeah, at all. <laughs> like, this is bad. Yeah. And we were, we were 45 minutes from a hospital, mm -hmm. um, very rural area. And so my midwife looks at me and I look at her and she's like, you know, this is, this is an emergency. And I'm like, I know, like, I understand what needs to, what needs to happen. I'm like, and she's, she just looked at me and she was like, what do you want to do? Because I knew that I either needed to have her manually remove it while we were there or try to make it to the hospital. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if I would have made it to the hospital, if that would have made things worse. Um, but I really just didn't want to go. I did not want to go to the hospital. I wanted to stay at home. I wanted to be with my baby. I didn't want to I just didn't want to go. And I was like, Amy, you know, I'm not going to the hospital. You need to get this out here. Um, and at that point she had delivered over 500 babies and she had never had this scenario happen. Um, mm -hmm. So I really commend her because it's, it's pretty gruesome, but she basically had to, you know, reach up all the way inside me um, pretty much up to her elbow, find the part of the placenta that was not detaching from the uterus um, and manually, remove it. And it was excruciating. Um, I have a pretty high pain tolerance. I giving birth was no issue for me. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. This was hell compared to that. Um, it was just awful, but she did it. Um, and so after that, you know, I stopped bleeding, um, and I was resting and sort of got back to normal, but it was definitely pretty horrific, um, at the time. And even for her, I know like you know, she had to go outside after that was done and kind of collect herself. And, yeah. and you know, it was intense for sure. Oh gosh. You know, as difficult and just, I don't know, I feel like slightly lightheaded thinking of it, but like, <laughs> yeah. the, the, but like the fact that you took such ownership of that is just like really cool to hear. Like you had, you had options. She mm -hmm. told you that you had the options. Like, what do you want me to do? And you were like, okay, I want you to do this. And you know, like you, you were still in control even exactly. in an emergent situation. And that's, and I know like what happened to me would be considered traumatic, but honestly, it never felt traumatizing for me because I felt like I, I still was in control, you know, and I made the choice. Um, and I really, to this day, I really respect that my midwife, you know, I feel like it would not have been unrealistic for a midwife to freak out and be like, we're transferring, <laughs> dangerous, like, let's go. And she let me have control and, and, you know, follow through. So I'm, I'm thrilled, um, you know, that, that it worked out the way it did. Obviously it was painful. I didn't want to have to go through it again, but it didn't traumatize me. Um, right. Yeah. And major props to her for, you know, really keeping her cool and being able to do what clearly needed to be done yeah. in that, you know, in that intense moment, she was able to keep her head and she stepped and, up. It was awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, maybe, maybe need to go outside and take a little breather after that. One. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not a smoker, but maybe need to smoke a cigarette after that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So gosh, after that, what, what was the postpartum recovery experience like? It was pretty bad. Um, I, I had not been around babies a lot. I had changed one diaper 
three months before when a friend let me babysit her kid for like an hour. Um, I never was really like a baby person. I don't actually, I think I had held one baby, the same baby whose diaper I changed. Um, wow. I just was not, oof, it was just rough. Um, and my daughter had the tongue tie and lip tie. And so nursing was excruciating, um, so bad. And she was not gaining weight. She was hardly getting anything to drink. Um, and I really, I have to credit my midwife here again, because, you know, she saved my life with the placenta, but really the problems with our breastfeeding got me to such a dark place mentally so quickly, um, that I really don't know what would have happened otherwise if she hadn't stepped in. But after a few days, she was like, you know, yeah, breastfeeding can be uncomfortable at first, but like you are curling your toes every time you have to feed your child. Like this is not normal. You need to like today you get yourself to a lactation consultant and, and get it figured out. Um, and so I did, and we ended up getting everything fixed, but it was a, it was a really rocky few months. Um, plus I was in a new state. I was isolated. I didn't have friends or family nearby. Um, it was, it was just a rocky four or five months for sure. Yeah. That sounds like so much change all at one time. Yes. And so, so you had the tongue and lip tie revised. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, did that end up, did that pretty quickly turn things around on the breastfeeding front or were there still struggles with that? There were still struggles for about a month. And I actually, um, I don't think it ever got fully taken care of because you have to be really good about doing these, um, oral exercises, like moving Mm -hmm. their tongue around to get it to kind of stick. Um, and I should have done those for a few weeks longer than I did, which I didn't really know at the time. So I don't think it ever got a hundred percent better. Um, we nursed for just shy of two years and it was still slightly uncomfortable every single Mm -hmm. time. Um, I kind of just thought that was how things are. And her tongue tie was incredibly severe. Right. Um, Sounds like it. It was really bad. So it did get better, but, um, but it was always just a little bit, a little bit off for sure. And it took about a month after getting it revised for things to even, I had a nipple shield, um, and that helped a ton and it took us a month or two to, to wean off the nipple shield, but Mm -hmm. I was proud that we were able to do that. So that's amazing. Yeah. That, you know, those tongue and lip ties are, (laughs) they are tough. Like they really, my first daughter had one, but it wasn't bad enough to, Inter- to to interfere with nursing right really mm-hmm. um but my second my second daughter hers was she was not gaining weight she was just consistently yeah. like so we we had to have hers revised at 2 weeks and yeah. i will say with our situation it did like immediately like fix it like she oh, just that's awesome yeah weight. yeah so uh my heart goes out to you for that even like my situation wasn't as difficult as yours, but still it's just like, yeah, that's, that's a whole thing. You kind of think like the worst is over. Like you made it through the pregnancy, you made it through the birth. And then especially with like a second kid, like you, you're in the groove, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just hard, but we did get through it. So all good. That's wonderful. Well, so, so your oldest daughter is how old did you say? She's two and a half now. Two and a half. Okay. And so then after all of this, you get pregnant again. Did this make <laughs> yeah. you consider a hospital birth? What did you decide after this event? Yeah, I actually postponed getting pregnant because I couldn't, because I felt like I couldn't make that decision. Um, I loved pretty much every aspect of my home birth. Um, I would not have changed it if I knew what was going to happen like in advance. But then I also, it was a tough pill to swallow to think, you know, okay, I could get pregnant again and this could, and you do have a slightly higher chance of, if you have one retained placenta, you are more likely to have another one. It's still a really, really low chance. Um, and we did find out with my daughter that the placenta actually had an extra lobe. Um, I still don't Mm -hmm. understand why. And that extra lobe was the, was the root of the problem. It wouldn't detach. So we, we understood what was happening. Um, but it was a tough call. So I put off getting pregnant for about another, let me think, year and a half. Um, originally, I kind of wanted my kids like, you know, 18 months apart. So it was definitely a, you know, a year and a half of of wondering what to do. But um, right. eventually, I did decide that, you know, I I just wanted another home birth. I just was, there was not even really one thing that made me, um, you know, 
like lean towards that finally, but we were in a different, we were in a rental house at this point. And so we were 15 minutes from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that was enough of a difference. We're like, you know, if this happens again, we probably could make it to the hospital and I could, I could be under medication, um, have this removed, which is what they would do if you were, had this situation in the hospital. So I was just like, you know, I really feel like, and my midwife was convinced that the retained placenta was a fluke. Um, yeah. And then it wouldn't Especially knowing that the, there was an extra lobe, like right. that definitely seems like, okay, that was a, that was a yeah. weird thing. It was, it was totally just a weird situation. And she was pretty sure that it wouldn't happen again. Um, and so I did, I prayed on it a lot. Um, but you know, eventually I was like, okay, I, I want a second baby more than I want you know, I don't want to let the fear of this, like stop me from, from having the family that I want. So we did get pregnant again, um, this time with a son. Um, so yeah, that was good. Oh, that's amazing. And so, and you said he's four and a half months old now. Yeah. So he was born in mid September. Okay. And so what was that pregnancy and birthing oh, experience? The pregnancy like? was awful. <laughs> oh no. Um, no. It was so bad. So he was healthy. So really awful is, I mean, you know, we never you had, we're not glowing. Oh no. The opposite, <laughs> whatever the opposite was. Um, just so sick, so sore. Um, couldn't hold any food down. I had, you know, morning sickness, quote unquote, which is really mm-hmm. all day and all night sickness in my first, second and third trimester. No, it was just, it was just rough. And of course I'm chasing around a toddler at this point. Um, yeah, I was just exhausted. I was sick. It just was not, into it. Um, I had an anterior placenta with that pregnancy, so I couldn't even feel him kick until like 25 weeks. Um, it was just, it was not as glowing. <laughs> it's my first pregnancy, right. but, um, really the tough part came when, so I was 40 weeks pregnant and like, I just, I was pretty ready to have, you know, the baby Um, my husband had kind of, he's a contractor self-employed, so he had kind of dialed down his work. Um, and the days just go by and keep going by Mm -hmm. and I get to 41 weeks. Um, and then I get to 41 and a half weeks and I get to 42 weeks. Um, and I knew my day of conception, like I, I'm a planner, I'm on top of stuff. I knew exactly, exactly when I was ovulating. So like, it's not like I, was off. It's, I was really 42 weeks pregnant. Um, and so at that point, my midwife is great and she, you know, has, has done some pregnancies that go a lot longer. Um, we live in an area with a lot of Amish and their pregnancies tend to go longer. So it's not, you know, unheard of, but like by 42 weeks, I was PO'd like, (laughs) I just walked around scowling all day. I was huge. I was tired. Um, everybody was texting me every morning, like, is the baby here yet? You know, hi. Like, and I was just so over it. Um, so my husband ended up pretty much taking his paternity leave early just to come home and help me. Um, cause I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't parent. I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. And I was just angry. Right. Um, it was frustrating. So at 42 weeks, um, with my son, I had a cervical sweep. Um, and at this point, like I hadn't, I'm, I was trying to be Zen about it. I didn't really try to do anything to like, you know, force him out or I didn't do the castor oil or anything. I was trying to just let things go, but I was like, you know, like I'm 42 weeks now, I'm going to have to make a decision soon about like, when do we go in for an induction? Um, and you know, of course, like they don't let you get induced and then go home to have a home birth. Like getting induced means that you're, you know, in the hospital. Um, so it was hard for me to, to think about having to give that up. So at 42 weeks, I had a cervical sweep. Um, and also I wasn't contracting like at all, like with my daughter, I had contractions for a couple of weeks leading up to this. This was like radio silence. Mm. Um, so it was just tough, but I had a cervical sweep at 42 weeks. Um, and it gave me about an hour or two's worth of contractions and then nothing. Um, so I waited a couple days. So I was 42 weeks, two days. It was a Friday. And my midwife and I had been in contact multiple times a day. And I was like, you know, like, I don't, I can't, I just don't feel safe letting this go too much longer. Um, And I was good about my research. I really looked into, you know, studies about babies that go that late um, and how dangerous that actually is. And I, I found out it's not actually that dangerous. So I wasn't, 
I wasn't feeling so bad about that part. I knew the baby was healthy, but I was just like, I'm not going to have any energy in labor. And I'm all, and I know postpartum is tough for me and I'm already like down, you know? Right. Right. It was more about, it was less about his safety because I knew he was safe and more about like, this is, this might not be setting me up for a good time postpartum. Um, And I also, I expected him to have a tongue tie like my daughter did because it is genetic. And I had appointments to get it revised like at two different places. And I would have to call like every few days. Like, well, like reschedule. Yeah. We reschedule this for when I'm 43 weeks pregnant. Like, and they were so sweet and helpful. Um, But I had to reschedule it three times. And so I was just like, I was just over it. So that Friday when I was 42 weeks, two days, I had um, an ultrasound in the morning just to check and make sure everything was okay. And he was fine, but it definitely, you know, the placenta was getting old, kind of calcified. There was low amniotic fluid. It was kind of, you know, it was not an emergency, but it was like, okay, baby needs to be coming out within a few days. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it just needs to happen. So I called my midwife and I was like, you know, I like, I, I want another cervical sweep. Um, we can see if that works. And we came up with a plan. We were going to do another cervical sweep. If that didn't work, I was going to do castor oil within 24 hours. Um, and if that didn't work, then we were going to get induced on Monday morning. And I, <laughs> I was so bummed out. Um, but I had the second cervical sweep done and I started contracting and I was, when I had the first one done, I was only a centimeter dilated. And when she checked me this time, I was about three centimeters dilated. So I was like, okay, like that's awesome. That was like the little glow of hope that I needed to be like, okay, things are actually moving. Um, you know, he's not just like stuck in there. Like, right. <laughs> he's not going to graduate college in there. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like I would never, it felt like I would be pregnant forever. And oh, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, especially was, especially with you going into labor, you know, like at 41 weeks last time, right? right? So you've got an entire extra week. Oh, yeah, I can't. That's hard. It was rough. <laughs> really hard. Um, it was really rough. But yeah, so I did the second cervical sweep and it, it took that time. So I had that at about 2 p.m. Um, and <laughs> it was also a full moon that night and everybody had been texting me, emailing me being like, you know, babies and full moons and like, oh, you know, all kinds of craziness. So I really did. I felt like that was the night that it was going to happen. Um, so I had the cervical sweep at about two or 3 PM. Um, I was contracting fairly regularly for about six hours. Um, just went about my business as normal around 8 PM. My contractions got weird. And I, I noticed that you just did an episode on like your uterus doesn't know the five one one rule. Right. My uterus is a perfect example. I was having contractions three to four minutes apart that were 20 seconds long and they never got any longer ever. Um, wow. It was weird. And so again, I had this feeling of like, do I even call the midwife? Like, you know, like what's going on? But I did call her and she had told me like, you're going to go fast. Like I have a feeling you're going to go fast. You went fast with your daughter. Like this is going to be quick. Keep me posted. Um, so at 8 PM, I kind of filled her in and she was like, okay, keep going. And when they change in intensity, let me know. Um, I had awful, awful back labor, which I had not experienced before. And, um, I, oh, it was just rough with my daughter. I had all these coping mechanisms, right? Like people could put counter pressure on my back or I could move around or whatever. Um, with the back labor, every contraction was just excruciating I didn't want anybody to touch me. I didn't like, I couldn't move positions and it would help or anything. It was just like grit your teeth and, and get, get through it pretty much. I would do these like moans and like loud noises and like kind of just wailing. (laughs) Um, Wailing and flailing. Wailing and flailing pretty much. Yeah. It it was intense. Um, I did have a tens machine, which is like, it, it gives you like electrical impulses um, into your back or whatever. And that, mm-hmm. that slightly helped. Um, and I kind of, I tried to get some rest. So I tried to lay down with that thing and I, it was just, it didn't really work. And I kind of just laid there for a few hours. Um, and the tens machine had like an, like an automatic off switch. Um, and so around 
like one in the morning, it switched off automatically. It switched off every half hour. So I woke back up to turn it back on. And as soon as I woke up, I heard a pop and my water just broke everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, okay, time to call midwives. Like everybody needs to come now. Like this is is it. Um, So they came and I was, this was the point in my labor where I was like, you know, if I was in the hospital, um, I would be asking for pain medication. This is really intense. I, it hadn't clicked with my first pregnancy and I started to really understand like, oh, this is why women get medicated. Like, this is awful. Um, yeah, that back labor. Mm. Oof. Every, I haven't, I haven't personally experienced it, but Mm -hmm. every time people talk about it, it's like, yeah, that's not fun. No, it's the worst. (laughs) Not a good time. And just nothing helps it. Like, that's really the bummer. Cause I feel like, you know, we're strong and we're creative and we can move around and do, do stuff, but like nothing helps. It just, it just happens and you have to deal with it. Um, it was a bummer. So my midwife and my, uh, the midwife in training arrived and then it was just my husband. Um, and at this point I am, I'm pretty much yelling whenever I have, um, not even a contraction, but just the back labor. Mm-hmm. Um, so my daughter, who's two and a half, has woken up, and we had done a ton of um, reading about home birth, watching home birth videos, like really trying to get her to understand what was happening. But she was just so scared when I would Aww. like cry out, and so she'd be fine, and then I'd cry out, and she would just start wailing too. Oh um, no! It was so sad. But when the when the midwives got there, she started to really understand, like because she had been at every you know appointment and everything, like oh, mommy's having the baby. Like, you know, mommy has to scream to help the baby come out and like, it helps mommy and blah, blah, blah. Um, so she kind of, it clicked at that point a little bit better. Um, so my midwife checked me and I was eight centimeters. So really fast again. Um, and we were going to start pushing and I just could not dilate that last centimeter. Um, and it just, like it was elusive. I don't really know any other way to describe it. And I finally got to nine and a half and my midwife was like, you know, just hold on if you can and don't push. But pushing was the only thing that made the back, uh, the back labor go away. So I was like, you know, like I got to push. I just, I didn't even, I didn't feel that urge to push that some women talk about, but it was like, Ooh, if I can just get the edge off this back labor, like, you know, I can do it. Um, (laughs) I remember her being like, you know, like, this baby is going to be out of you within half an hour. And I looked at her and I was like, don't say that. Like, cause if it's not, I'm going to be so disappointed. And she was like, okay, all right. I won't say it, but she was right. Um, so I started pushing around four in the morning. Um, and it was like beautiful full moon outside, raging, raging thunderstorm. It was just perfect. Um, and I started pushing I ended up, I tried so many positions to push in and it just, nothing clicked. Um, I finally ended up on my hands and knees so that I could, uh, like just scream into my pillow. <laughs> it was so <laughs> intense. I was praying out loud. Um, I was just asking for strength because I just had nothing left to give. Um, and I started pushing and I could just feel him descend. And, um, that morning when I had had the ultrasound, you know, they measure them, but their measurements at the end of a pregnancy get kind of weird. And so she was, the ultrasound technician was like, he's measuring at eight pounds, four ounces. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I hope not. Like, that's crazy. I can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, how, how big was your first? Um, seven, seven. Okay. <laughs> so not, not huge, but not, you know, not, yeah. not tiny. So I was like eight, four would be crazy. Like I can't mm-hmm. do that. Um, but I'm pushing him out and I just get like, like, I'm just over it. I'm just, I'm angry that I'm still pregnant and this huge baby is inside of me and I have to get out and I'm just done. Like, I just, what, ugh, like, it's so, I can't even explain, like put it into words, but I'm just over it. And I get Mm -hmm. mad and I start yelling into my pillow, um, and just pushing as hard as I can. And so finally he starts to crown and I realize like he is just huge. His head is massive. And at one point he, his head was starting to crown and I was like, Amy, get your hand out of there. And she's like, my hand is nowhere near you. Like that's oh, just, yeah. head. <laughs> like, Oh boy. Like really got to get this kid out. So I push a couple more times. Um, I get his head out. I'm like, yes, like, thank God that, you know, I'm done. And they're like, no, you have to push the body out. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. 
like there's the body too. So I, oh, yeah. All right. push <laughs> and I get the body out. Um, my husband caught him. He did a great job. He was prepared for the, the slipperiness. <laughs> so he really caught him well this time and he passed him up to me. Um, and he was just this massive monster baby. Um, <laughs> huge, 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 huge. So, and I'm five, four, like I'm not a tall person. I'm not a big person. Like, you know, he was big. So they got him cleaned up. Um, and the, there was tension in the room because everybody knew, you know, okay, the baby's out, baby's safe, but is the placenta going to come out this time? Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel stressed about it, but it was like in the back of everybody's mind. And we had sort of, my midwife and I had talked over and over about like what our plan was going to be with the placenta and how we could do things a little differently. Some things I could do, some things she could do to just make sure it came out. Um, and I was contracting really strongly still, which I knew was a good sign. He, his tongue tie was not as severe as my daughter, so he could actually latch and keep the contractions going. Um, and after about 20 minutes, I had a strong contraction and, and, you know, my midwife asked me to push the placenta out. And so I, I did, I just pushed it out and it was totally fine. And, um, it was just like all the tension just evaporated in the room and everybody was so happy, um, that it was, it was out and I was safe this time. Yeah. Gosh. It's so fascinating how, you know, comparing your two stories where you have like this easy, easy, easy time with everything. And then (laughs) one like super, super intense, you know, difficult experience. And then the opposite of like, not fun pregnancy, not, not fun labor, but the placenta came out real easy. Exactly. There's just total opposites, both of them. Um, and they're kind of opposite kids. So it it worked Mm. out really well. It was a good introductory lesson to me about being a mom of two, I think. Um, I think you're right. It was good. Yeah. And so they weighed him and cleaned him up and everything. And he was nine pounds. Um, (laughs) I'm so proud because I didn't even tear, like not even a first degree tear. It was just like, you know, just had a nine pound baby, like at my house and, um, totally cool. So I'm, I'm just really proud of, you know, all that. And it was like, it was kind of the birth that I always wanted and that I, I almost felt, and I mean, nobody is owed anything and, you know, birth is wild and things can happen. But I, I felt like with my first pregnancy, I was kind of cheated out of the, the birth experience that I wanted. And this time Mm -hmm. I, I got it. So it was good. That's amazing to hear. And, and out of curiosity, so you did, you didn't bleed really as much with this second one. I still bled a a little bit more than some people do. I'm just a bleeder. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was not hemorrhaging like I, like I was the first time at all. Everything was solid. That's great. Did that seem to make any difference with your postpartum recovery? Yeah. And I, and just the fact that I knew about the tongue tie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the biggest thing for me because it was like, with my daughter, I just, I was so devastated that breastfeeding was going the way it was. And I mean, it got to the point where she would, you know, and they eat every hour or two. And and so it's just over and over you're experiencing it, but she would cry or, you know, start to exhibit hunger. And I would just, I would feel nauseous. um, Mm. And that's a terrible feeling to have as a new mom with, you know, a baby that you love so much, but you just can't, was just looking at just hurts you. Um, right. With my son, it was more like, okay, I know what we're up against. I know that this gets resolved. It, it is hard work. Um, and my, my mom was also coming to stay for two weeks, which was a huge, um, just, I mean, I can't even put into words how helpful that was. So she was the one who ended up, you know, driving with me to the tongue tie appointment. Um, and, and helping me through all that. And I did have a lactation consultant that I was working with too. Um, he ended up, it was, his postpartum was so, there were so many lessons in there that I needed to learn. Um, I really, I'm like a go-getter and I'm a planner and I want to hit the goals and reach the goals. And I ended up trying to get him to nurse so much that he developed what they call, I can laugh about it now, but at the time Mm. it was awful, um, a breast aversion. (laughs) So man, (laughs) they just, they just want nothing to do with it. Um, and so, and this was after his tongue tie was fixed. We got it revised when he was about five days old. Um, and he just would not nurse at all and just scream. Um, and, I ended up having to, I, I made a tough decision to 
bottle feed him for 36 hours and take a break and, mm-hmm. um, you know, pump and, and still get the milk out. Um, and it was really hard to let go of that control. I breastfeeding was so important to me and still is. Um, and I just had such a hard time, you know, recognizing that it, it might not happen. Um, no matter how much I try and, and whatever, you know, I do, it just might not happen. And so my husband was really supportive. Um, my mom was really supportive. And after 36 hours, we tried to start nursing again and, and he got it that time. Oh, but wow. I really had to take the pressure off him and myself. Um, and I had a lot of like coping mechanisms. Like I would, I had this notes app on my phone. And so every day I would at the end of the day, or sometimes in the middle of the night when I was up feeding, I would write down like three things, um, like wins essentially that we had had with breastfeeding. And so, and some days it would just be like, you know, I'm alive, the baby's alive and he drank milk and from a bottle or whatever. And that was like the only thing that I could hold on to. And then I could, it was really cool because I could watch that over just a couple weeks and it would be like, you know, day one, it would be like, he latched for one minute. And then by the time we were done, it would be like, you know, had, you know, breastfed all day, never used a bottle, never used a nipple shield. Like I could just see the progression. Um, but it, so it was challenging, but it was, it was not as devastating as it was with my daughter for sure. Right. And it's amazing that, I mean, gosh, sometimes you learn by the difficulty, of course, you know, the difficulty of your first experience, but thank goodness that you did have those resources in place and you were able to, you know, begin to work on it just right out of the gate. Exactly. Yeah. Made a huge difference for sure. And having your mom there as support. That's, that's awesome. I wish everybody could. I think that really, I mean, it just makes such a big difference. Oh man, gosh. Well, Caroline, I cannot believe the the <laughs> intensity in different ways of your stories. I mean, really, this is this is so phenomenal for moms to hear. Number one, just because it's so different. Like, you know, this really highlights like mm-hmm. every birth is different, every situation is different. And typically there are highs and lows. Like, isn't that what life is like? Yeah, and motherhood. So it, it Amen makes- to that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, I am so grateful for you coming on the podcast. It was such a joy to talk to you today, Caroline. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Wow. Pretty powerful stuff. Am I right? Okay. As we jump into this episode roundup, I have two thoughts for you guys. Number one is obvious, but emergencies do happen at home. You know, sometimes I feel guilty of acting like, oh, but home birth is perfect and wonderful and everything always works out. And you know what? That is not birth. Birth is wild and sometimes messy and sometimes super easy, but also sometimes really difficult. And it doesn't matter where you are. Things can happen that can be emergent. And it's so important to be with a care provider that you trust and respect and also to take responsibility of your situation. You know, luckily midwives are highly trained professionals and they're prepared to do what they must. The thing that I really loved was the fact that Caroline was still involved in the decision-making process, even during the emergency that unfolded. The second thing is when it comes to breastfeeding, it's an amazing idea to know the resources at your disposal. There are certainly hiccups that can be had, and as Caroline shared, it was much easier for her to navigate the second time around when she already had a plan. Even if this is your first baby, it's a great idea to learn of the different care providers in your area should you need them postpartum. Okay, friends, that's all that I have for you today. I am so grateful for all of you, and I look forward to seeing you back here next week.